Hello and welcome to Design Untangle with me, Chris Mears and Carla Lindate. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's nice and sunny in the UK for once. And uh, it's going to be a great weather when it's still weekend. So that's good. Yeah, lots of melted chocolate. Um, but this won't be going out till after Easter. So that chocolate will be long gone, I think. Yeah. So we have got a secret guest on the line as well, don't we? Someone who's been on the podcast before on our second most popular episode. Oh, is it the second? Yeah, second uh, most popular. Hello, Liam. Hello. Second most popular. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Well, who's the first then? Monzo, of course. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, that's not bad, is it? Um, so we have brought you on here today to help us talk about design systems, because I know that's something you're talking a lot about at the moment. Yeah. Here to give us a bit of a helping hand. Um, Hopefully. And yeah. yeah. So do you want to give us maybe your definition of what a design system is and how it's different to like pattern libraries and style guides? Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people talk about design systems and say, yeah, we've got a design system. Um, but the more you kind of dig below the surface, you realize there's kind of lots of different things that people are calling design systems. Um, and, you know, I've been at big kind of global companies that are saying they've got a design system, but all they're really using is a pattern library. Um, a pattern library is basically something that aids kind of the UX and visual designers to... Um, be a bit more consistent in the work they do. So, uh, yeah, um, but a, for me, a, a full design system is something that goes beyond that. So, yes, it's the pattern library, but it's also the handoff of that pattern library to the developers. Um, so, in theory, there should be kind of a live uh, living version of the pattern library that's been coded um, by the, the developers, front-end developers, um, but it's been, um, you know, it's been built um, with the, the both the UI and the front-end developers sitting next to each other and making sure that there's kind of almost as an exact replication of the two. Um, yep. And then once that's built, you can put that into a live URL so people can access it. And, you know, people are probably very familiar with, uh, you know, Google's material design, which is probably the kind of the mother of all design systems, um, kind of a full stack system, you, hundreds and hundreds of pages of detail around the patterns they use, the shadows, the interactions, everything. But it can be a lot more simpler than that as well. Um, it can just be kind of uh, what, what we traditionally, what would have traditionally been a, a style guide, probably a brand guidelines, a PDF that talks about what font to use, what colors are used. Um, it can be kind of as simple as that, but in kind of a, a, a living space as such, it's kind of a coded library. Yeah. What do you think kind of the main advantages of having a design system versus just a style guide are? Is it that it doesn't kind of get lost in translation once it goes to development. Is that kind of the key benefit, do you think? Yeah, not just development, even designers. I mean, I mean, anyone that's worked in digital for kind of five years plus will, will know that, first of all, the pain there is between kind of what the design looks like at a design level and what it looks like once the developers have coded it and handed it back to you. Um, and that's neither kind of the designer's fault or the developer's fault, but 
with the traditional kind of way of working, there's a lot of room for kind of uh, error and uh, ambiguity in between kind of the, the design stage and the developer stage. The system for me kind of joins those two areas up. It kind of forms uh, one source of truth in between the development stage and the design stage. Um, and it's built um, it, with both teams uh, at once. So that it kind of, you do it, you kind of, you build it once, you make sure it's right, you make sure it's consistent. And then from then on, kind of both sets of teams should be just pulling from the same source. I have a, I have a question related to that point because... I've seen it when I um, when I work at Sapient and also at Google that um, design system kind of tend to be basically from a kind of like internal perspective. There's just a like a website that you can access, and then all the different information, as you said, is there uh, for both designers and developers. But there's also, like, to your point about you build it once and then everyone uses it, I wonder how, or in your experience, or what's your, your what are your thoughts around making sure that the design system keeps being up to date? And what I mean with that is that you could have designed a design system, like, let's say, four years ago, where obviously things were very different from a design perspective. So how do you make sure that that design system, it is consistent and everyone's going to this, the, the, the same source, but at the same time, it doesn't become something old and, you know, and a bit like, you know, how do you evolve it basically? Yeah, I think um, it's really important with any design system that um, someone does look after it and it is maintained there should be someone or a group of people that are put in charge of uh, owning that system um and you know if, if someone perhaps leave the company they should pass that kind of that uh, responsibility on to an uh, another person um it as you know design is an iterative process and very rarely now these days we put an app out to market or a website out to market and then that's it we just walk away from it you know, we continue to kind of um, see how it's performing. We retest it. We change bits. And the design system for me, like, it should fit into that overall workflow. When those things are tested, when those things change, the the library should be updated. And all the people that need to know, the kind of the, the lead developers, the lead designers should be, uh, you know, it should be an inherent part of the workflow these days of a, a digital product. So in terms of getting that feedback loop back into the the design system, either kind of through stuff you've learned in research or new kind of ideas you're trying, like how does that process work? So say you found a better way to do a certain pattern, what should the workflow be to get that basically back into the design system? And then if you've used the older version of that pattern before, like how do you go about bringing that up to kind of the new standard or the new way you think it should be done? Yeah, so, I mean, if things are being done right, you should be using a tools like um, Abstract. Uh, I'll just uh, kind of skim over the top of, of what that is, but you know, it's, it's essentially um, a design tool which it, it hooks all the designers up to a kind of a master, either sketch or XD file um, that they all feed from. So 
in theory, any designer starting on, a, on or even new on the project or they've worked, been on the project for years, whenever they start their day's work, they shouldn't be pulling from a file that's local on their drive. They should be going to the cloud and pulling down the latest file. So that helps the consistency. That makes sure that they're using the latest stuff. Um, they kind of create a branch. And then if, you know, say they've got some user feedback that the button should be, uh, you know, a, a darker color, it's too light. They should create a branch out of abstract, which pulls down the master sketch file, XD file. Uh, and then they can make changes within that. And then they push it back up to the cloud. Uh, and there should be a notification system if the workflow is set up right. And there's, you know, there's lots of different ways you can do that. And it depends on the project, the team, the amount of designers and developers involved. But there should be a notification system that then alerts the front end developer. I mean, obviously, we can use traditional methods of just tapping them on the shoulder and telling them. But in a digital world, maybe they only find out by this kind of notification. Um, and then they will update the, the front end code to to replicate what's going on in the library and then you can either push that back out to testing or if you know you've gone around that that in that loop a couple of times you can then push that out to the kind of the live website mm-hmm. or app it, but I have a question what what would be the governance around that because if you think about let's say a big organization which would have designers and developers in different places and mm they decide to change the the color of the button for example as you just said yeah. um who is there kind of a governance model yeah. where someone approves that there should be a governance level yeah i mean you could be working i've worked on projects where there's f- f- uh, design teams in 14 different countries each design team with 10 plus designs in it all pulling from the same you know um source so i mean if there wasn't a governance level, it, you know, maybe that's an extreme example, but if there wasn't a governance example there and people could, um, model, sorry, uh, could just update the, the master file as they wanted, um, you know, it would be chaos. Uh, it would actually be a, a worse way of working. But, yeah, there should be an admin, kind of a very kind of a lead experienced designer that is owning that. It could be a number of people, but it should be at least one person that has that final approval. Also, in that situation, there's multiple designers working on multiple branches at one time. Um, and when they try to merge their file back into the master, there's kind of this uh, within, I'm, I'm thinking of abstract example, there's a notification system for the the admin of that group to say, you know, there's a conflict here. This person's trying to upload this, this person's trying to upload this, and you get to choose which method, which uh, option you want to go forward with, or you can push it back and get them to work together to kind of merge their options and then push it back into the, the, the cloud. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I just have a question, just like stepping back a little bit in the process of creating a new um, design system. Um, is that like, how do you think that, that, well, what is the best practice about creating it from scratch? Do you think that obviously all the key components, you know, global components and components of pages um, should be designed from the beginning before you kind of roll that out or do you think that is still like a 
like a fluid and, and work in progress process where everyone kind of fits into the master design system? Yeah, so it depends where you start your project. Um, I mean, obviously, you could adopt uh, a digital product. So you might, as a team, um, take over the work of other design teams. So a website that's already live or an app that's already live and in the market, um, but that hasn't got a design system. So in that case, you start by doing kind of a design audit of that, that product. So you like you pull each page apart and you kind of work out that, oh, look, there's six versions of the, the same button. You know, they might have slightly different rounded corners or slightly different tone of color or the font size might be different. So you start to see kind of patterns then. Um, so that's one way of doing it, doing a design audit. If you're starting from the ground up with a brand new product, um, I, I mean, I don't recommend kind of just starting to design you know, uh, buttons and different components in isolation. I think you start by doing concept designs um, of, of key pages. Uh, obviously, you'll have kind of the feedback loop with the client or kind of the internal stakeholders. Um, once you're at a stage where you think, okay, these are kind of, this is how we're going to move forward. This is the design we want to move forward with. Then you kind of do an audit of the work that's done so far. And at that stage, you might only have a few components that you can play with. But if you start breaking them down, you've got the start of your design library or your design system. Um, and then you, as you know, as you move through your sprints, you you continually add to that library and that that design system. Um, in terms of kind of creating a system, obviously you need everyone that's involved, like the the lead developers, the lead designers, um, any kind of technical functional leads that are going to be involved as well, kind of sit them down on day one and say, this is what we want to achieve. Um, and and a, I really recommend kind of a pro tip is just to start easy, like with your design system, just try by just pushing that one button through the system, design it, get it uh, in sketch, push that into abstract, pass that over to developers just with one element. Don't try and do too much at once because um, you'll soon see the flaws and it's much easier to fix if you've only got kind of one thing going on. So, yeah. Um, so obviously we've been talking a lot about design systems as they apply to digital products like websites and apps and so on. Um, have you ever seen them used for kind of wider purposes like offline stuff, print, uh, advertising? Um, personally, I haven't, no. Um, I did have a conversation in the week actually with someone that was talking about um, a team of print designers who were working for a brand and, you know, they were, they were starting to talk about if they could use a design system. And I don't, I don't see why that wouldn't work. You still, you know, as a brand, you've still got key elements. You've still got the fonts, the colors, um, maybe certain kind of branding items that could live in a system that people could kind of pull from. But personally, I've not, I've not worked on one. I guess a lot of the brand branding guidelines that you normally would take, would get, well, when you're doing a redesign or a design of a new product for a particular brand that already has some like branding, um, guidelines I would say that you know they are kind of the design system equivalent of that so you have all the colors of the way the copy you know the yeah. way you should be referred to the brand um so they're bit and basically all designers um 
the thing is in digital we kind of do a translation of that for digital products but yeah. um they they're mainly based for print for advertising for everything else and they're actually quite specified but they normally tend to be a pdf document um in my experience yeah. that's what i've seen so far yeah. i guess there isn't as you said there isn't a any limitation of turning that into a digital you know system when everyone can go and access it but um what i've seen so far is just like a, a book of a pdf that you could you could argue that's kind of their design system um i was going to ask something around just changing slightly the topic and going back to digital um it, how do you or what's the ux element of a design system because obviously you come from a visual design perspective more um, but when you think about you know behaviors or think about interaction design or even motion design um, and things like that um, how do you document that into a design system because before like and I come from the old world of Axure where you annotated wireframes and annotated things on a kind of, you know, component library equivalent. Um, how does that change in a system like Abstract, for example? Yeah, um, you wouldn't necessarily document that stuff in Abstract. It's probably the stage on from Abstract. So when you move into this live, this living library, um, which, yeah, if you think of uh, material design or any kind of online design system that you've seen, um, I think Airbnb have got a great one and Spotify, etc. There's lots out there. Um, but if you go into that, that becomes almost uh, you you in you're referring to these kind of printed PDF guidelines. This these new digital guidelines become um, so digital design systems become like an online version of that. Um, and within there, you might have a, an, a a page dedicated to interactions. And you've seen that on a material design. If you click, you can go in and you can see all the kind of the motion design, the interactions, and it even talks in real detail about kind of the, whether it kind of, it eases in and it kind of bounces out and all those details. So that's where that information would live. Abstracts merely a tool to kind of, um, version control and kind of maintain the design files. So, mm -hmm. okay, makes sense. So, what kind of like do you know what systems or things? I mean, how can you build a design system that an equivalent of a um, material design website in within the organization? Is it just on a CMS or? Uh, what in your experience, what have you seen as being the tools that you use to build those systems or those own like websites, internal website or external websites? Yeah. So again, there's kind of lots of tools out there. Um, InVision Design System Manager, or it's called DSM, uh, is a very good one. I think kind of you can kind of almost plug straight into. Um, you can build your own, like if you've got kind of you know talented developers that. They might prefer to kind of, it depends on your project, but if it's very bespoke in its nature, you might want to build your own. Um, there's a tool called Storybook, which I you know the developers use, which is something kind of an uh, open source, off-the-shelf product that people, yeah, developers use, so you can plug into. So 
there's just there's lots of different tools and and ways of doing it so if i was someone saying we've got a pretty good style guide you know haven't had any issues with it so far how would i be convinced to move to this i guess more elaborate design system which covers a lot more basis than just kind of components like what would be the benefit for me I suppose one as a UX designer and two as an organization yeah so I think um, uh, design systems have risen out of the fact that these uh, PDF guidelines um, just haven't been working Um, and for years as digital designers, we've kind of been aligning ourselves to what was happening in the print world, as Carla mentioned earlier. Um, but there's there's lots of room for error. If you're just handed a PDF guidelines, which talks about the font sizes and the colors, and this is what buttons should like, look like, there's lots of kind of holes in between that information and lots of room for designers to kind of get it slightly wrong. Uh, and the more designers that get it slightly wrong, the more kind of design debt you end up with. So as I mentioned earlier, you might end up with six versions of the same button, a, you know, a primary call to action, even though it's a red button with white text on it with rounded corners. If that tone of red is slightly different, if that font size is just one point out, it's a different version, um, which, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, necessarily until you need to make an update if two years down the line there's a um, you know and lots of big companies do this they go for a brand refresh uh, and they say oh now our our brand colors changing from red to magenta that's when you see the problems now just to quickly update the colors becomes a big job and I I've worked at I was working at a, a huge uh, company last year, kind of a global company, the one I mentioned earlier, kind of like 14 different countries. They went for a brand refresh and it created months of work to kind of go back and update all the existing digital assets. If a design system's done well and done properly, changing the color of the button between your design files, between the live code, the design system, it should be you know, an hour tops and you go from like weeks or months of work to an hour of work, that's when you can really start selling the, the business benefits back to the client. I I think is, um, I think my last question was more around, um, you know, you mentioned that there are different tools to have these websites built and also other tools to make sure that those quick updates are connected to the code of the website on the CSS, I guess, or, you know, or the CMS. Um, but I think when, when, so how often do you see that design system being changed? Um, obviously it's, it's obvious when you do a rebrand, um, yeah. but is it as, as you add more features or more, uh, pages or, or what's the best practice? You should you be changing that design system frequently? It depends on the stage of the project. Obviously, uh, I'm working on a project now. It's a brand new product. We're just sort of setting up the design system. Um, we're just designing. We're going through the early stages of sprints and designing new kind of elements, components every day. So it's it. the design system is updating on a daily or hourly basis. Obviously, that project will get to the point where it kind of levels out and 
you know, it's out in the market and it will slow right down. But then, as I said, you kind of, you start looking at the performance of that and you might go back and start changing elements. So uh, it really depends on the, the stage of the project. Um, but it should be something that's maintained. Uh, absolutely. Even if you push it live and you don't make any changes for two years, when you do make those changes in two years time, the design system, the libraries is, is where you should start uh, and yeah, go back into that workflow you're using. And if you had to marry one design system, what would it be? I don't really have an answer for that. Again, it really depends on the project itself. Um, if you've only got two designers, two developers, you might not need design systems at all. If you've got a slightly bigger team, you just need a very kind of light touch version. If you've got a team in teams around the world working on it, you need a much bigger one. But I mean, all I would say is that um, an an end-to-end design system, I said, not just a pattern library, but an end-to-end design system, however big or small that is or whatever product you're using to kind of pull it all together, um, you should use that because it's really that, that, um collaboration between front end development and designers in the middle um that really makes design system work or fail if the communication or the kind of the way that's mm-hmm. set up is not right you know the pattern library is going to kind of break down the front end kind of uh, assembly teams the, the guys that are building the pages if that's all going to break down and not work and you kind of you're left where you were originally anyway so i think yeah just having a very tight team in the middle of it collaboration design and uh, developers sorry uh, that's my favorite bit getting that right yeah because that's what I was gonna I was gonna ask a controversial question but I think you already answered it which is who's um between the UX and UI designer whose responsibility like who is the responsibility of um like designing and creating the design system but I guess you think the answer is collaboration. There's not like a UI or yeah. UX role, is it? it? It's a, I'd say, design and developer role. And design mm-hmm. can be UX or UI or, you know, other things. But it's that collaboration between design and developer, which is really important. That's mm-hmm. the difference. And that's for years, like my whole career the most painful bit of a project is kind of handing your designs over to the developer and seeing what they come back with, you know, a month or two later. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, and, and said, it looks that, horrible. That, 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 <laughs> yeah, but that's neither the developer's fault or the designer's fault. You know, it's just the the way we were working. I said we were quite aligned to kind of the print industry where you kind of just throw things over the wall. Um now for the first time you know with design systems it really creates one team which includes developers and designers and you know the handoff process is a lot more streamlined there's far less room for error the consistency is better and as a result off the back of that um the user experience is better because there's far less inconsistencies in in the experience Definitely. I mean, I totally agree with you. I think there was a lot of, there was still a lot of, and there is in big clients still a lot of practices of print being applied to digital, like hours of hours of time, refining files in Photoshop to make them look absolutely perfect, knowing that that perfection of a, you know, desktop 
looking design is going to change so much in a responsive design environment. Um, so I think, yeah, as you said, like it's just an evolution of, you know, designing for digital and doing everything digital first rather than print first and then send it over to digital to, you know, to try and, and make it work. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and no, it's something I think has been quite popularized by startups because of the necessity to be able to kind of produce and roll out features very quickly, but not features that look completely different to one another. So I think that kind of rise of startups and fast working, but still producing kind of consistent UX and UI, I think that's kind of driven this way of working quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. And it just allows to you to scale a lot better as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've got a solid foundation, a solid system in place, um, you can quit you know, the days of kind of spending hours laying out individual far, uh, you know, pages in Photoshop kind of gone. I mean, depending on the maturity of your design system and your pattern library, um, you, anyone should be able to kind of pull those components out and create a page quite quickly and even do that in a live environment. So you're presenting kind of almost live designs to a client uh, as opposed to, you know, pixel perfect photoshop files uh, which is what printed. just just printed and yeah, put on print, walls. printed out and stuck on the wall which is yeah, yeah what we used to do yeah, right sort of, but it's not the well same yeah anymore. and and not that long ago you know we're talking a couple of years ago we were still doing that uh but yeah i think things have moved on a lot in that time i mean design systems aren't necessarily a new thing um but they have become very popular in the last couple of years yeah. um it's more uh, like they have I mean, developers it? Yeah, developers have been using systems in their work for, you know, decades. It's only really kind of the the design industry, again, because we've been very aligned to kind of the legacy of the print world and and where we've come from. Um, But we've only just kind of recently, yeah, started to realise the benefit of of using the system ourselves. If people want to learn more about design systems, um, what kind of books or resources you think they could um get to try and get go deeper into this um there's loads of stuff online i mean you just have to type in design systems in google or search engine of your choice uh and there's loads of stuff out there (laughs) loads of videos um but i mean for me i think kind of place i keep ending up back at is i envision are doing loads of stuff around this loads of tutorials they've got like books and digital books um uh, and they've obviously got their own tools to kind of help manage it as well so um yeah for me they've been a, a really good source to kind of learn and get up to speed carla do you want to plug your judging thing again i think this episode will go out just before yeah it so i'm gonna be i've been fortunate to be invited to be a judge for the dnad new blood awards on the 29th of april so I hopefully be able to interview people there and ask questions about trends in terms of creativity, etc. So if you want to know something about the DNA Dia works, just just contact me, ping me, let me know what you want to know, and I'll try to find um, answers and I'll try to interview people there as well, um, which should be fun. Cool. Um, well, thanks for joining us, Liam. No yeah, worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me. See ya. See you, you next time. Bye. Search and subscribe to Design Untangled 
using your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Follow us on the web at designuntangled.co.uk or on Twitter at designuntangled. Become a better designer with online mentoring at uxmentor.me.